Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast, um, to another episode of There's a Startup for That, powered by CoCubed. At CoCubed, we are, we're passionate, aren't we, Neil, mm-hmm. about startup collaboration with corporates. Um, we love it here at CoCubed. It's why we've created a podcast dedicated to telling these stories and also to tell the stories of innovation at corporates. So we're going to be here. We're going to be celebrating awesome partnerships and great stories within corporates and learning, hopefully, as well. You're here with me, Mark, and my colleague, Neil. Hi, everyone. And we'll be your host today. Awesome. Yeah. And today we're back with another Safe the Corporate episode. And this time, um, I'm very excited, actually, because mm. um, we'll be joined by one of the biggest retailers in the UK. Um, hint the creator of Percy Peaks and Collins the Caterpillar. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm pretty sure you have uh, one of those um, products whenever it's your birthday. Or... I actually had one in October for my birthday. Awesome. It was epic. <laughs> yeah. The classic birthday cake. Yes. So can you guess who it is? And yeah, that's right. We're here with um, Toby Kerr, Open Innovation Manager at MS Ignite. Welcome, Toby. Hello, pleasure to, well, pleasure to meet you guys on the podcast today. And I'm very glad that you had a Colin the Caterpillar cake for your birthday. It's a fantastic choice. Oh, it was so good. I think we got four Collins, um, you know, to because one isn't enough. Um, you need you need many. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. Um, no, it's really good. It, it's great to have you here, Toby. And I know we've uh, known each other for a few months now, but for those listening, um, they they probably have not heard of all the exciting things that are going on uh, within MS when it comes to innovation, um, and so we're going to be spending time with this in this episode to look at how you're igniting innovation. Um, you've called yourself Ignite as a team, um, and I would love to just start there to kick things off um, to just tell us a little bit about yourself, Toby, and your role at Ignite. What does um, a day in the life of, of Toby look like? What does Open Innovation Manager actually mean? Um, yeah, talk us through that. Kick us off and give us a sense of, of your day. Yeah, sure. So I, I've been at MS for just, well, just over three years now. And yeah, as you guys probably mentioned, I work as an Open Innovation Manager. So I typically spend my time solving problem statements for MS by mm. providing third-party solutions and typically through the use of startups and scale-ups. And, well, it's a big mix of interacting with, well, startups with scale-ups, as I've mentioned, whilst equally liaising with both internal and external stakeholders to ensure the best solution is being provided to the business. Solving problems, providing solutions, um, what a job, Uh, and being being that role. And that's within Ignite. So could you just tell us a little bit about what um, Ignite is? Who is Ignite? Who's in Ignite as well? Yeah, so it's it's a pretty small team, uh, okay. as, as I'm sure you guys know. Um, so there's myself, uh, and I of course work here as an open innovation manager. And then you've got Daniel Hinsworth, who is the head of innovation, who leads the team. And then mm-hmm. you've got uh, Katie McCoy as well, who works with us as an open innovation executive. So it's it's a three man team, but that doesn't demean what it achieves. And having a small team means that you can be lean, means you can be fast. And I think that's the reason why they they created Ignite as a three-man team, so it could be reactive and streamlined as possible. I think that's one of the cores of innovation, isn't it? To do more with less. And if you can apply those principles even within your team, um, 
you know, it's amazing what impact you can have across the business. And, and I'm sure we're going to go into some of these stories of, of the impact that you are having. Um, with Ignite, you briefly touched on it, but why, why was Ignite started at M&S? Um, why, what was the mandate for Ignite's ex- um, existence at M&S? So it's, it's a good question. I think Ignite was actually formed in 2020, and I think its predecessor was created in 2018. I can't actually remember mm-hmm. what the predecessor's called, but Ignite, in ex- <laughs> as it stands currently, was created in 2024. Quite a simple reason, really. And that's that in, there's a vast ecosystem in the world of roughly mm-hmm. 150 million startups at any given time, with 50 mm-hmm. million new startups popping every year, horse fail. Startups and scale-ups are a fantastic way to find the best-in-class solutions around the world. Now, why is that? That's because the 90% that fail mean that the 10% that remain are, by Darwin's law, of course, the survival Mm -hmm. of the fittest. They are the best-in-class. So the solutions and the innovations that you are seeing in the market are fantastic and are usually exactly what a business needs to solve whatever it is that you've got as your problem statement. Oh, that's such an interesting way of putting it. The the companies that you are interacting with are the best are best in class. Um, in some previous episodes, we talked with um, teams who who work obviously with with startups and scale ups and collaborate with them, um, and they say exactly the same. You know, it's it's almost a way for them to um, decentralize their R and D to learn through um, these partnerships, but also get access to the world's best. Um, yeah. There are, there, as you mentioned, ecosystem is vast. There's lots of exciting innovation out there, especially in retail and grocery. So how do you prioritize what you go after? Is there things that you have a particular subject, focus on? What Give us an idea of, of how you laser in on a, on a problem or a solution. I think there's usually around two key factors. Mm-hmm. One is, how much does the business actually need the solution? A good mm-hmm. example of this would be a food waste campaign that we're currently running. Food waste is an issue for many retailers, uh, mm-hmm. for both the planet and the bottom line benefit. If a campaign on food waste can reduce the amount of waste, then it will have significant impact not only on M&S's pledge, for example, the carbon neutral by 2040, but also the cost of what we waste every year. And number two is about the customer. What Mm. impact will it have for them? Everything we do must be in support of the customer. They are the everything for MLS. Without them, the business wouldn't have been around for 139 years. Oh, that's music music to the ears, Toby, because I think so often we see innovation, which is, you know, solution in search of a problem. And here's some flashy bit of tech or, you know, uh, something exciting and trying to crowbar in a, a customer need or a, a business need. So that's amazing that that's, that's how you start with it. Um, mm. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, I love the aspect of, you know, the impact of the business, also the impact of the customers. Mm, um, that's really great. And with all this amazing and exciting things that you're currently doing, um, obviously you're, you know, solving big problems with small companies are there any challenges that you're facing with, you know, trying to bring innovation or igniting innovation within M&S, like trying to create a pool for that? Um, 
yeah, are there any challenges that you could probably share with us so maybe corporate innovation leaders out there who are on the same path as you can resonate and, and see what else is what else are their peers facing? I think, I think again there's sort of there's two answers to this. Number one is within any corporate, within any business, there's always going to be resistance to change. And alongside that, there's always going to be a resistance to use the third party solution. Now, why is that? Well, if you ask anyone how they're going to solve a problem statement, 99% of the time, they will say, we should build this. We should build this solution that's going to revolutionize how MS works. And that's fantastic to do if that solution doesn't exist. But if you're looking into a market which is saturated with solutions, with innovations of all shapes and sizes, then the question then becomes, why would you do that? Why not steal with pride, essentially, the innovations in the market, buy into them, partner with them, and instead use the resources that you're going to allocate to building it, to building something else which doesn't already exist to give yourself a competitive advantage? And then number two, I'd say the sheer time constraints. So working with external innovators, when you initially engage the market, let's say, okay, let's take the food waste example. You could be engaging 50, 100, 200 different startups, which have all survived the sort of sitting out of which startups live and which startups die in their few first few years. But what you've then got to do is find the correct solution to the problem statement that you have. But that just takes time. And not only does it take time with the startups, it takes time with the stakeholder. Quite often, nine, nine times out of ten, the stakeholder doesn't really know what they want. They know roughly that they want to solve this problem, but they know have not too much of an idea of how they want to get from X to Y. And so when you break down talking to the 200 startups, let's say, um, getting a good understanding as to what the problem statement is from the stakeholder, then meeting the relevant startups, sifting out the ones which don't work, both for you and for them, meeting the startups, then trialing the solutions, then implementing the solutions. You can quite often look at sort of a year from start to finish. And that is time heavy, both on the Ignite team and on those stakeholders actually involved. Especially with a three-man team as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> you managed to do it. It's incredible. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's probably like, and we touched upon this a little bit in our previous episode in terms of like, you know, the age-old question of like build, buy, or partner. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, if we touch on that just, just for a little bit, um, how do you currently overcome like the, you know, the built mentality or trying to engage with your colleagues and, and trying to say, look, you know, startups have, as you mentioned, like survival of the fittest, they have fought the battle, mm. they have had proven solutions. Like how do you overcome, you know, trying to engage your colleagues in that sense? So we're very lucky because we've had past successes. <laughs> and those past successes means that we have proof that going externally does work. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're starting from scratch, the classic way to get over the build versus buy is to have a think about how much manpower and how much time and resource it would take to build that solution internally. And usually it stacks up to quite an astounding amount. Whereas 
if you look externally, there's already been those 200 tests where 90% of them have tried and failed. So it's a simple case of picking out the survivors, picking out the ones which you think best, and engaging with them. Mm. Quite often, once you start chatting to the startups and you get the stakeholders involved, the stakeholders themselves will go, I'll tell you what, I didn't think of that solution. Which Mm. usually ends up backfiring a little bit because then they go, why don't we build that new solution which we didn't think of? But ultimately, it's that case of building that story and going, look, okay, you could spend three months with three teams building this. It's going to take all that manpower. Why don't you allocate that elsewhere? Build something fantastic which doesn't exist in the market. Let us engage with a startup which is out there, which has already proven that its product works. And let's implement it into MS. Let's work with them. Let's partner with them. And as a result, you end up coming out with the best solution for both parties. The startup gets their business and MS gets its solution, all the while being able to allocate that resource elsewhere. So it's a win win in the end. Yeah. And I think you're right. Yeah. No. And, and I think you're right. Being able to tell those stories of successes can really help to. Uh, solidify the case for partner in this in this aspect hey listeners before we jump back into this episode we want to quickly share with you why we do what we do at co-cubed remember the story of david and goliath big giant versus small nimble fighter scary standoff a slingshot then dead well imagine if they worked together now Imagine if big companies worked with startups. That's our vision of the future. And over the past six years, it's the future we have been building, helping the world's biggest companies solve the world's biggest problems, all powered by startups. Corporates have big sustainability ambitions, but are struggling to meet them. But the solutions already exist. They are with startups and just haven't been scaled yet. At Cocubed, we track and monitor over 12 million solutions and can give you access to help scale impactful innovation. So if there is a problem, a challenge, or anything at all that is keeping you up at night and needs solving, drop us a line at connect at cocubed.com and we will help you heal where it hurts. Can you tell us, and particularly those who are listening and those who might have... um a decision to make when it comes to build by a partner as they're setting up how they do innovation, or maybe they're further along in the innovation journey and just looking for other examples. Do you have any successful use cases that you can share with us, Toby, on how at MNS you've partnered with with startups? So I can talk about the case studies which we have. So there's been mm. many successes. Um, our mystery shopper program is now making our shopping for customers far better following work with innovation. Mm -hmm. We're saving energy with AI. We're enhancing our procurement process with AI. There's lots of successes. I think it takes actually, Ignite has give or take 20 partnerships. But getting there is all about obsessing. Obsessing about the problem. Then we obsess what's right for the customer. And then you become even more obsessive about the colleague. And as a result, you end up forming a pretty strong idea of what the solution is that you require to solve said problem. Mm -hmm. And then it's a case of, of course, going out to the market and finding what solution 
is available to solve the problem. The key to success is, as I just mentioned, it's obsessing over that problem. And then it's going to the market and finding the solutions. Yeah. I, I mean, Toby, I was going to ask, what, what do you think is your secret sauce? And I think you've, I mean, obviously there'll be things that you wouldn't want to share, but also what you've shared there in terms of the obsession over the problem. Um, I know, I'm sure we've used this quote probably every single episode, but a problem well-defined is a problem half solved. Um, you know, being able to obsess over the problem as you've articulated can help define actually what solution are we looking for, especially when you've got this vast ecosystem of solutions that exist. Um, so no, that's great. Um, in terms of the now, so we've obviously we've looked at a few challenges um, and, and seen how you know successful um, Ignite is you know it is at the moment. What what are you currently focusing on at the moment? What give us a picture of what's going on? Obviously, it depends when people listen to this. They might be going through the archives. This might be something that they listen to back um, or is something that they listen to right now. But what, what are you focusing on right now coming to the end of this year? I'm going to give a really broad answer here because the Great. reality is that it is really broad. Okay. <laughs> the reason I say that is unless problem statement has been around for the past year and hasn't been solved for whatever reason, our work tends to be pretty ad hoc. Now, why is what you're probably thinking? Well, you don't know what innovations are out there until they appear on your radar. And that requires working with partners, with consultancies, with venture capitalists, whatever it is, to find those innovations. But as a consequence, even if a problem statement comes up, which in itself takes time, you won't know what innovations are out there until you've had a look. And so it all comes down to knowing what's in the market, to being able to know what problem statements you can solve when they do arise. It's it's not a case of how do we solve this once the problem statement comes up. It's a case of fantastic. We've got 30, 40, 50 startups which we think are applicable. But how do they solve it? They solve it in 10, 15, 30 different ways. And so what are we doing now that is solely dependent on the customer and the colleague and what their problem statements are we can have a vast network we can have four million startups in our pipeline but ultimately that doesn't matter if we don't know what the customer and the colleague's problem statements are and so it's very ad hoc because when those problem statements arrive we attack them but until they do arrive it's just a case of preparation and um I think I think that's great though because you're very kind of reactive to to the to the needs of the market to the needs of the customers and and, mm-hmm. and your colleagues, um, and with that in mind, like how do you see you know if we look into the future, how do you see Ignite shaping up the innovation culture for M M&S and or um, you know for customers even like because. If you think of M&S, like a lot of people just think of M&S as a retailer, like you're a local store. Um, how do you see Ignite perhaps like maybe changing that and, you know, changing the brand perception amongst the customers as well as, you know, igniting the innovation culture within within the organization? 
It's a very good question. It's a very complicated question. So, <laughs> I think Ignite, and you're going to somewhat cringe at the use here, sparks opportunity. Come on. <laughs> the dad joke coming out. Yes, to, we're waiting for that. I love that. <laughs> to every solution that MS creates. I can't remember what the date was, but back however many years ago, MS created the first mobile essentially fridge where we could take rather than taking frozen chicken and put it into stores, we could take refrigerated chicken and put them into stores. Now that doesn't happen from being incumbent and just following the market. That comes from being reactive, that comes from being proactive as well and actively seeking out what's in the market. So I think it's a case of how can you shape in innovation at MS? I think it's twofold. I think you need internal stakeholders who are advocates for innovation and at the same time you need external providers feeding into that there's always got to be a push and there's always got to be a pull if you've got this fantastic network coming into the business but then you've got no one wanting to seek external innovations then you're not going to get anywhere but equally if you've got tons of stakeholders wanting lots of solutions and you don't have that network it's not going to work so i think in MS itself, I think you're going to see a big network, which we've already established, but a growing network of venture capitalists, uh, consultancies, everything forming and feeding into this pipeline where MS will eventually have this option of do we build or do we buy? And at the moment, it's very much favored towards let's just build it. Because there are, in all fairness, a lot of benefits to building. You know, you can keep it internally. It's yours. No one else has access to it. It is unique. But quite often, it's just pointless because it's already available. So just buy it. And I think a lot of businesses don't see that opportunity. And I think MS will begin to shape itself as a unique retailer in the UK by having that option of build versus buy built into every decision that it makes. And so the answer to your question is, I think Ignite will bring that. I think Ignite will bring you the opportunity to understand exactly what you could be buying, but also exactly what the implications would be of building that internal solution. Yeah, I think you're painting a really exciting picture there, Toby, and one which um, c- could be a model and a template that we see as well in other corporates in terms of how they build their, their capability, their innovation engine. Um, and also the balances that you talked about in terms of balancing the push and pull and um, the internal stakeholders, obviously, and getting the culture right, but also having that external ecosystem. Um, but also the way that you talked about, yes, you are being reactive, but that is actually your proactivity. Um, what I'm hearing is your foresight and your way to look into the future is by being reactive to customer um, and to those problem statements. Very cool. We, um, Toby, we end our podcast with, we always end with one question. And um, it's a chance for you to, to be the guru here. Um, if you could give a piece of advice to corporate innovation leaders out there who are listening to the podcast, what would be your number one piece of advice on how to make the open innovation function a hero within the corporate? What's your piece of advice? So I would say no matter the blockers, no matter the challenges, 
find a fantastic innovation for your business that can solve both the customer and the colleague's problem. Then build a business case for it. Show what the impact would be if you took on that innovation and if you didn't. And don't rush it. There will be always someone who will be a blocker. And you can never give anyone a reason to want to say no to an innovation. Because once there's one reason, there becomes an argument for a thousand. And then once you have that business case, once you have that innovation, take it forward and smash it out of the park. Mm. Once you have that one example of success where build has been defeated by buy, you'll find innovation 10 times easier in your business. I love that. Um, you know, build the business case uh, to to make sure that you can almost convince, but also like sell mm. um, to, your, to your stakeholders. And then, and then once that's done, then you smash it and also shout about your success cases. I think that's very important. And, and that's why we actually created this podcast. So exactly. you can shout about your success cases. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been really good to to hear a lot about success cases, whether from yourself, Toby, or from your peers and, and, and other people within the corporate innovation uh, space. And also I'm pretty sure for everyday consumers as well, like coming in and like, oh, we didn't know, you know, those solutions were powered by um, innovation and startups. So um, it's mm. really great to to have you here with us and telling your story today. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's the end of our podcast. So thank you so much, Toby, for joining us. Um, listeners, let us know what you think about this story via social media channels. You can find us at CoCube on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.